everybody and welcome back to That's Gossip. My name is Joe, and this week I will be joined by my best friend of God knows how long. We met in primary school and the rest is history. We now live together in London and it's my first in-person podcast recording. No more Zoom audio, which is fun to hear. So me and him are going to be chatting about his experience as a male, a queer male in the beauty industry. He is a very talented makeup artist and I want to hear some some of his stories of growing up as a boy in that industry. So let's absolutely get into it. Thank you for joining me. I've already said to the audience, but you are my best friend of forever. So that's the introduction that you need. But if you want to introduce yourself a little bit deeper, tell everyone who you are, where you come from, what you do, all of that. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello, fans. Hello, subscribers. Hello, world. <laughs> well, um, absolutely. The whole I know. World. Just hello, everyone. Wow. My name is Sam Lane Winter. Some of you may know me as Sam Winter MUA. <laughs> everyone um, will know you as that. Sure. <laughs> everyone will know me as Sam Winter MUA. <laughs> I am 22, my pronouns are he, him, or whatever, it's not that deep, and I was a makeup artist for MAC, I now work at a school for kids with autism, and I still do makeup on the side, which is why I'm here, I suppose. Well, leads me on perfectly, you are here, because we're going to discuss your your sort of journey as a queer person, a queer man, that's the one, icon, man, same thing. Let's let's Uh, use it correctly. (laughs) We're going to chat about your sort of journey in the beauty industry, Mm -hmm. and the sort of things you've learned, the sort of things experiences you've been through, uh-huh. all the jazz really. So I'm gonna start it off and you're gonna take me back. Mm-hmm. You're gonna tell me your first sort of memory and your sort of instruction into the beauty world. as The young innocent Sam that you were when you first started, as I remember. So I'm gonna say, the first time like I actually put makeup on, I think I was, gosh, I must've been like six. I'm gonna say I was six. And I was in, Standard. it was when we were in Sandbach and, um, or back home, we were. When we were <laughs> <laughs> Don't release where we're from. Oopsie, no, no. Get the stalkers. And I remember because I always used to watch my mum putting her makeup on when she was getting ready for work in the morning. Standard and then there was like, boy. Mm. Mm. just sat there ready for school watching my mum. And I was like, wow. And um, and I remember sitting there watching her and being like, this is like, because my uh, as well, I have this image of my mum. You know, she was a marketing manager and she was a single mum. And I was like, wow, she's so powerful. And there she was like putting a red lipstick on. And I was yeah. like in awe of her. And then there was this one random, it must have been a Saturday. And <laughs> I was like, mum, can you put me in a full beat? Like, all tea, just. Mum, put me in track, go on. Beat me silly, if that's okay. <laughs> beat me to and death, she was like, on. Okay, Queen, don't you worry. <laughs> so she did, but then a knock, knock, knock on the door. Forgot that Luke Smith was coming around to the house. <laughs> oh God, not name dropping the Luke Smith. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure if he's listening, he'll appreciate the story being told. There was a knock, knock on the front door, and I remember being in the bathroom with Mum, and the actual fear <laughs> that ran. I mean, little do we know that obviously me, Luke, and yourself, shocker, are all gay. But like, all on the same spectrum. I remember being in that bathroom, being like. No, no, no. <laughs> not, not now, not now. Mascara, red lippy eye, and there was blush, and I was like, Ugh! Fuck, mum, what do I, I, I do? Like, oh, God, and I was like, washing it with water, but because makeup is oil-based, it wasn't coming off, and I was just like, What do I do? What did you do? I think my mum, because I, th- I think my mum and I both went into my pack, and then she ran to get the makeup wipes, and then went down to let Luke in, and was like, oh, Sam's probably just like, you know, having like a toilet issue. A really long poo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not, he's a bit poorly at the moment, but he'll be down in a sec, and then I come down like, 
none the wiser, uh, nothing's nothing happened, very mass for mass. <laughs> As you were, of course. But then, so yeah, that was that fun little time, I remember doing that. And then the first time I like properly did it was because I was going to an event in Bristol. Uh-huh. Or I was in my first year of uni and it was like a queer event hosted by my uni at the Queen Shilling. And it was like, you know, dress how you want to dress, wear what you want to wear, uh-huh. makeup, do drag, do whatever. This is just an LGBT event. Come as you. Be as you are. And I was like, okay, well, let me do something. Yeah. Let me do something other Always. than my, like a bit of mesh. Like, <laughs> as you used to do quite yeah. often. <laughs> I, was, I, I still rock the mesh, but rock I feel mesh. like, I was like, do you know what? This is going to be a fun event. It's like the first time that I'm going to like a proper LGBT like yeah, gig. And I was like, yeah, let's do something. So I got a really cheap palette from Superdrug with Lily. And it was Makeup Revolution. And it was like chalky, cheap. I and a right. brush from Primark. Cheap queen, cheap queen. Oh yeah, she was balling on a budget yeah. and some fishnets and I put it over my face and I did like I this fishnetty so pattern. And it's like a fun little contour. And I was like... Like rainbow. Like, yep, uh, yep. Gradient. gradient, yep. ombre. <laughs> there was some glitter going on and I then took You're it off. Saying, and I was like, I can go further. So I did purple all over my eyes with... Like there was nothing on my eyes like basics. It was just like my... Because I've obviously got like darker eyes uh-huh. and stuff. Yeah. I was putting purple all over just like the skin and then there was like a creamy silvery colour that I then like shoved into my inner corners and I put it on my waterline and I looked to myself and I went, these are the moments. You're doing the most. I was like, oh God, that's beauty. Uh, I mean, absolutely. I remember the pictures so well and I I remember it so much that even I think you came and visited me maybe like months after and Mm. I was like, did you bring the fishnets with you? Yeah. By any chance. And then we did it when we, we went did. to go see Willem. Yeah. We did each other's... Well, no, I did your beat because that was, you know, I was in balls deep into the makeup. Commission and everything. Oh, and yeah, I was yeah, Charged. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that was like the first time. And then I did that gig. The event. <laughs> hey, bugs blast. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know me. I was just hopping from gig All to gig. <laughs> um, did the event and then put the makeup away and I was like, right, cool. Going to carry on with my degree because I'm like educated. <laughs> I'm just going to carry on with all that stuff. And then I got around to summer of first year and everyone else went home except me okay so i stayed in bristol and i was like well I've got nothing better to do with my time because i didn't have a job at the time as well so i was like well let's just see where we go so then i got another eyeshadow palette and then i got another brush and then i started mm-hmm. only ever started with eyes and then i was like right okay let me get a what was the next thing i never mascara was like the last thing i got it must have been like concealer and then yeah. foundation and then yeah. bronzer all that fun stuff so i like slowly built it up starting from the eyes and just went out so your whole face was finally one day exactly beautifully beaten <laughs> oh god well it was not beautifully beaten I thought it was and then you look back at the pictures and I was like Jesus. no specifically for this you know when I do my little posting on that's gossip mm. have like the, the pictures the promo for the episode I'm going to be requesting from you your first pictures no. makeup I've seen them I have them so you do say no them. I have them anyway so it's not an issue and but. it was the faces because I put it on and I was like mm-hmm. So convinced that I was it. Which is great though. Like, mm. no matter how shit or like shit or whatever, no matter how like inexperienced you are with makeup, I guess that's like the point, doesn't it? It mm. makes you feel like you are like this stunning moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it definitely gave me like a bit of an ego boost, especially because yeah. I had friends that apparently lied through their back teeth and told me that I looked amazing, <laughs> that I was guilty. <laughs> yeah, you. And I was like, wow, okay, this is. I've. I'm, I've done it. I'm the first boy makeup in the entire world ever. ever. <laughs> and I'm a trailblazer and I've done it. I've done it for the community. Paving the way mm. for those to come. Exactly. With some winter first, RuPaul second. <laughs> oh, the way yeah. That it goes. Oh, no. I created the LGBT community. <laughs> Absolutely. The day I put makeup on. I remember it so vividly. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so vividly. Was there like, you started, you did, obviously did it for the drag night and then you started practicing. When you did, did like the practice and you were like, I'm going to see how it is, was there anything in your mind that you think, 
you practicing for a reason or were you literally just like bored and you're like oh, this I was is bored fun. and I enjoyed I enjoyed the colors and I enjoyed like mixing the colors and playing around with it because I always I, I, I still say this now to me makeup isn't anything to do with kind of putting it on for me and then going out and leaving the house and well, looking yeah, cause you rarely go out with mm. makeup on really no, very never, rarely. you never really have for me it's like I've always enjoyed art and I've always enjoyed mm-hmm. painting and drawing but I was always bad at that even though like I really forced yeah. myself into doing art as an A level like I think we all did. I was really like oh I am good at this I was not yes I just was not it's like the gay agenda isn't it you just do art in I forced myself into it because I enjoy the creativity and I enjoy playing with colours and I enjoyed creating the shapes but I just wasn't translating on Onto that paper, yeah <laughs> so then this I suppose doing the makeup was my way of my, my artistic expression yeah, I was getting out that creativity and I was getting out you know playing with colours and playing with shapes yeah. and playing with dimensions but I was doing it on my face rather than on a canvas or on a piece of paper yeah and you could do it in the sort of like privacy of your own room and if it goes wrong and you don't like it you can just mm. like, wipe off it's not like it's so easy to no, wipe off no exactly, pressure yeah. no pressure at all and I think as well because you like know your own face it's not like you all have the pressure of like mm. doing someone else's makeup and them hating it and being like oh that's awful I feel like it's great, you've mm. got, and you don't really need a re- reason to practice it, I don't think. No, and I when I first started as well, because it was very much about my own expression and just kind of having fun yeah. and filling the time. I never watched like YouTube videos, I never sat down and well, That's how like, most watched. people start, mm. yeah, with the whole tutorials. I know a lot of people start like that, but I, even then I was just like, I don't see the point in watching a tutorial of someone doing a certain eye makeup or a certain foundation application or whatever, because I was like, that's their face. Yeah. And my face yeah, is yeah. my face, and I have different contours, I have different dimensions and all this other stuff to all these other people but I was like the only way that I can learn is to do it it, it's to just do it do it take it off do it take it off do it take it off and I think that's the best way to learn Mm. anything really just throw yourself into it and do it at your own leisure yeah it's like be like okay it's trial and error isn't it if Mm. you I think as well when you do things like tutorials and it's the same with any creative field if it's like you know singing or acting or makeup if you copy someone else and you don't get it right, you end up beating yourself up. But if you do it from your own mind and you're like doing it for fun, there's not much to compare yourself against. No, exactly. I think it's a really good way to start, which leads me sort of onto my next like question for you. At what point, after you know practicing, getting a little bit better, did you realise that like, oh, this could be a potential career path for me? I suppose it was because I was I started to realise that I was growing yes. as like an artist, uh-huh. and I was looking at even within. So I started in February seventeen memory yeah wow wow started in february Fucking 17 hell. and i even in the short space of time between then and the end of that year because that was when i started at mac i was looking at past pictures i done when i first started compared to then and i was like oh i'm actually i'm getting better the uh-huh. more i practice and the more i do this then i'm i'm getting better and i'm investing into you know better products or mm-hmm. better brushes to kind of refine my techniques and stuff. I was like, I think I'm getting good at this. Yeah. And I just enjoyed it. It just gave me so much happiness to just sit down and play around. And also, again, like I said, everyone in my bubble was giving you this hype. Yeah, was giving know. me this hype okay. and was supporting me and was like buying me stuff for my birthday or uh-huh. they were going to the shops with me and helping me pick out things. That It just gave me, having that really supportive group of people around me yeah. was amazing. And it's also and it, like one of those things where, you know, when like you tell your mum or your dad when you're younger, you're like, oh, I really like pumpkins. And then mm. every Christmas forever is then you get like a pumpkin themed gift. Yeah. It's like you, once you got good at it. It's like you were giraffes. We're all like, okay, yeah. yes, me with giraffes, okay. And it's like you were Doctor Who merchandise, mm. but okay. But I feel like once it stuck that you were sort of like into makeup, and we were all like, okay, well then we did stop buying you the presents. And then I suppose the bigger your collection grows, the more you like, well, they have to do kind of something with it. Mm. Can't just let it sit and gather dust. No, not at all. And then I started doing, so at the time I was living with a girl, 
girl and I was like, right, let me do your makeup. And then I was in like Corinne's makeup and all my other friends' makeup. Mm -hmm. And then you came around and I did your makeup. And then I started branching out from not just doing my face, but then, you know, doing other people's kind of understanding what they wanted to wear and what they were comfortable with wearing and what colors they didn't yeah. like and blah, 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 blah. And then I learned about transferring those skills onto different face shapes and uh -huh. all that stuff that I was like, not only do I enjoy putting it on myself. You're um, now enjoying it. On doing it on other people well, and yeah. listening to their kind of likes and dislikes and their kind of brief yeah and going okay let me see what i can do in those yeah. parameters that i was like i could do this and then like at that point as well i think it shifts from like a hobby to like, like not like an education but like you educate yourself so many things mm -hmm. you like learn different skin tones and you learn mm -hmm. you know sort of different styles of makeup and what works on what kind of person and then when you get in that head frame for something you're like oh okay i've got the knowledge mm -hmm. to actually do yeah. this. I became very invested in it and I understood, started to understand like the terminology mm -hmm. and all the different brands and then obviously you know, the problematic brands that we don't buy from. We and don't buy from them, that's true. The brands that we do like and therefore we do buy from them and I just started getting invested in the whole world and then becoming aware of different influencers mm -hmm. and different YouTube channels and then, oh my God, you just get so engrossed in the whole world but yeah, it, be go it goes past being a hobby and just something to fill the time yeah. it's like oh no I'm enjoying this I'm investing a lot of money in this that's the thing it's an expensive hobby to have expensive realistically. hobby like especially I think if you're you know the kind of person that wears makeup on the daily you can sort mm. of excuse it you're like I can mm. spend this money because I use it every single day whereas for you you don't wear it just you know go out for the evening no. so it's like I need to buy this stuff and use it or mm. else I ain't getting my work. <laughs> that's the thing because I don't wear makeup out I don't you know, I don't buy these expensive products and I'm like, oh, what's the longevity of this? Is it going to like sit well on my skin for yeah. a long period of time? I buy it and I buy this expensive makeup and then I do the full beat. I take the pictures. I do the makeup videos. I do everything. I look stunning queen. And Beautiful. then five minutes later, I'm sat there it's, with my makeup cloth taking it off. It's gone all like I walk into the kitchen and you're just like eating dinner in the half face. Like, okay. Yeah. And that's how it's always been though. Uh -huh. That's how it's always been. I've always just done it, taken the pictures enjoyed that moment of creativity and then I just take it off and but then that's where it stops. It doesn't need to be more than that though really does it I guess. Not for me. If you're okay with mm. spending that much money just to purely do it for the whole. I don't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think of that. Sometimes because I remember so every so often when someone new like comes in and like they go into my room and then they see it. Mm -hmm. They see my makeup collection. Try living with it. What I have and the constant deliveries I get and every so often someone will be like how much do you actually reckon you spent on that? And I go, no. No. Don't, don't be rude. It's not, it's not a conversation that we need to no, have. Don't actually. be rude. But you say all these deliveries you get. I'm sure people know. But for anyone who doesn't know, I live with Sam. And we've lived together in London for the past year or so. Mm -hmm. And we moved into our new flat. And our front doorbell is so aggressive. Oh my God, it's horrific. It's so aggressively loud. It's like mm. a... And it can go horrid. off at any time in the day. And it does go off pretty much hourly. And yeah. every time it goes off, it's a Sam Winter package mm -hmm. from some form of makeup brand. And mm -hmm. it gets to the point where me, someone who's like not that educated in the makeup world, I'm like, how much more is there to buy? I don't oh, understand. Plenty. Yeah, that's the thing. But like, I don't There's understand. Plenty. Why have you not run out of options yet? I just haven't. But I love it. But I also, what I've done recently, especially since um, the COVID, is I've been she buying... She shall not be named on this podcast. How we dare hate you? that word. No. It's, a, it's a swear word. It is a swear word. The worst one. I've been buying a lot more from independent shops or like yeah. small retailers or small beauty companies, etc. that are, the stuff that they offer in my eyes is so much more innovative and creative and uh -huh. exciting than the big makeup brands because the, make, make, the big makeup brands have to cater to masses. Yeah. They, and they have a name, they have a, they have a whole 
company, they have certain expectations they have to meet that sometimes big brand makeup just does nothing me. And they come out with these new eyeshadow palettes and these new lipsticks. And I'm like, this is boring. Yeah, because it's almost like even I know this when I'm not like in the makeup industry at all. Like you see these big companies releasing things and it almost looks like the same product just different Carbon packaging copies. just over and over again. Like the same colours. I know. I guess like their main focus at the end of the day is to just make as much fucking yeah. money as they can whereas these independent independent brands obviously they're there to make money mm. but they care more about I mean they, they get you don't you know like yeah. at the end of the day they are a person like you who's really interested in makeup and like you know what no I want to make a brand that is actually mm. helpful and no, interesting definitely. and they do like they have a specific target audience that they cater for yeah. so like there are some brands that only do these really cool like snazzy duochrome glitters and it's like yeah. You can't get that from any other brand because they're trying to appease everyone. Whereas this brand is only trying to appease a certain amount of people. And it's just so much more interesting. So then I see those people advertising on Instagram and stuff. I'm like, yes, done. I will, absolutely. Here is my money. Say nothing Thank else. you. Take all my information. Next day delivery. Love it. Thank you. Absolutely. So obviously you've had a bit of experience in sort of like a professional makeup setting because obviously mm. you said you worked for Mac for a while. So if you care to explain, obviously you don't have to go into too much detail because you know you don't want Mac on your ass doing yeah. anything like that. But if you want to talk about some of your experiences, either just working in a professional makeup brand in general or more specifically as a male, mm. a queer male working in you know such a female charged environment. Which... Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a, it's definitely an industry that's still very much catered towards women. Yes. And every so often the brands will throw in the odd like token male, uh-huh. but even then, <laughs> it makes me cringe sometimes. Even then, it's like the man is advertising the lip balm that the company yeah. does, and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's not. We're, get, sure. we're getting there with the right direction. I but... get it, but mm, mm. yeah. Okay. Mac. I've always loved Mac. Even when I, even before I even played with makeup, yeah. we all know Mac. We know the Mac. Yeah. We all know someone. Like everyone in our lives has like a bit of Mac, whether it's a lippy or an eyeshadow. Or has like or the, bought it at some point yeah. for like a mum or like a sister or a friend. Everyone has some mm. experience with that shop. It's it's like the default, yeah. and so I knew of it and I knew the reputation it had, and I was always very interested in it. But what I loved about Mac is that it was always since day one about diversity, about inclusion, and okay. I'm not trying to. Like, I have amazing opinions of Mac, but I also have negative opinions of Mac. And yes. I, especially having worked there for, I was I was with them for a while, but, you know, I've had my experiences and stuff, but I will always champion how inclusive they are and how diverse they are, especially in their ad campaigns or in who they're catering for, whether, regardless of gender. Yeah. And um, all that kind of stuff. They cater so much to people with different skin tones that so yeah, many I other brands are that. only just catching on to. Mac have been doing it since mm-hmm. day one. That's true. Yeah, that is very true. And obviously they did their first Viva Glam campaign with RuPaul back in the 90s. Yeah, very true. But they've very always important. been about, well, it's owned by two, well, started by two gay men. I didn't know that. Yeah, two oh, gay I had men no idea about that. I can't remember their names now. They asked me, I remember they asked me in my first interview and I went, uh, <laughs> next question. <laughs> <laughs> I have done my brand, like, you know, when you go into an interview and you do your research yeah. and whatnot, and I fully forgot. But yeah, it was started it by happens. two gay men, and they've always, it's just always been about inclusion, and I always felt safe. Yeah. I knew when I was there, regardless of, you know, the people who were coming in, and sometimes I did deal with homophobic customers, and I did deal with people who would laugh at me and point at me, and all that kind of stuff, that I knew that my brand was had my back. Yes, which is always important in a workplace in general, like, no matter time. what it is, whether it's, you know, just a hospitality job, or... Mm. A place where you go wearing a full face of makeup mm. every day, knowing that the company supports you mm. is the most important part, so it's great that you have that. I knew that, and I also knew what was even bigger for me was that my team, the people who I actually worked with yes. in Bristol, and there was only, when I started, there was about 
13 of us. It was quite a small counter. Well, I've been. It was a small store, really. It was Tiny. Just a little, a like a little corner of Debenhams. Debenhams, yeah. <laughs> that I knew that everyone there had my back. Yes. Every single person in that on that counter had my back. If I ever experienced any kind of homophobia, they were, they were yeah. there. They were there for me. They were... They would calm me down and they would, you know, step in, speak to the customer or take over from the customer in a uh -huh. professional way. But everyone had my back and I felt safe there. Like the two places where I felt safe wearing makeup was my bedroom slash house uh -huh. and work. Okay. That was it. It was those two places where I was like, I can wear what I want to wear and, yeah. I, you know, express myself however I want to express myself. And then anything in between, in between yeah. went blurry. Yeah. Because even like little things, like I remember you mentioning before, like... The feelings of having to because there was like you'd have to wear makeup to work it was like a thing wasn't it it was like a rule the, so the that, this is the weird thing at yeah. uh, mac the women every single woman that works at mac has to wear a minimum of like 16 products or something like that but <laughs> i didn't even know a full face of makeup was anything more than 16 products everyone always says that when you're doing makeup 16 products is actually quite easy sounds it's, like a lot it, sounds, <laughs> it genuinely does sound like a lot but it's not but mm -hmm. the women have to wear a minimum of 16 15 products whatever it was oh or God. still is men don't have to as long as you look good as long as you're well-groomed, you don't have to. You see, that in itself is strange to me. It's an odd one. Yeah. Like it is that, an odd one. That almost feels as though the company is being like, oh, no, there is different standards for men when mm. you make up, but it's like, what, but why? The whole point of them having to wear 16 of your products is to sell your products yeah. well. Why does it matter whose face it's on? That's tricky. It really is. So the women had to wear X amount of products. Men don't. And I don't know, looking back on it, I did use that to my advantage because I very rarely actually wore makeup to work yeah. but it was never it was never out of laziness it was more out of fear yeah because i didn't wear what i was work. originally gonna say when i was asking you about how you had to wear makeup to work mm -hmm. i remember having conversations with you or even like walking with you on occasions if i was like you know in the area of visiting you where you'd wear a bit of makeup and you'd just speak about how much you just hated the journey from home to work it was you'd have to get public transport you have to go on mm. a bus and as queer people, as women, it's scary enough anyway to travel mm -hmm. from A to B because you just don't know who you're going to come into contact with. So I can only imagine how you felt being a man in makeup mm -hmm. on a bus in the middle of Bristol. Like, it's, it scared me. It actually terrified me. And there was sometimes, like, every so often I would wear makeup to work because especially if there was a look or someone had designed a look and I wanted to be part of it, I wanted to be part of the team and I wanted to support the person who created that look and spent the time to be like, you have to use this product, followed by this product. Yeah, because you had, like, shift like briefs like today mm. uh, we'll all wear this look right yeah by, okay and so we would always have that kind of brief especially on a friday saturday when i was in bristol when i moved to london it was like every day well but, <laughs> I can um, imagine. It was a lot. yeah but in bristol every friday saturday there was a dedicated look mm. and then someone would spend a lot of time creating it and sometimes i created the looks yeah i remember the you know, when you go in and you see everyone in the look that you've created, it's a big ego boost. And it's you're like, oh, you know what? This yeah. is nice. My team support me. They enjoy the look I've created, even if it's pushing them outside their comfort zones. Yeah. This is lovely. And then you wouldn't want to be the person that doesn't wear your friend's look just mm. because you don't have to. Yeah. Because imagine walking in on your day and then, you know, people uh, mm. didn't feel and like And that it. did happen. That did happen to me when I designed looks and people just didn't feel comfortable because it was too colourful or too bright. And then yeah. that's when it gets into the whole zone of like, the same as me, they didn't feel comfortable as women going out in like bright pink eyeshadow and bright red lipstick, for example, yeah. because of the attention that that would draw to them. Which is so valid and mm. fair enough, yeah. Like, not only just attention for wearing such bright colours, but just unwarranted attention towards women. That, that unfortunately they'd probably get anyway. Yeah. So, with a full beat of bright makeup, I can imagine, mm. fear. And it's just, 
it's mad that we even have to say that. Like, no. it's mad that that is a thing that goes through women's heads that they can't put on a really nicely designed mm. makeup look from their work because of the attention that it might bring. Like, just and that I I think that's I can't I can't understand, especially you know, given everything that's going on at the moment. Exactly. I don't. I'm not a woman. I don't identify as a woman, and I can't, cannot imagine what that is like. No. To have that kind of attention on you twenty four seven. I was gonna say constant. Yeah. It's all, all the, the time. time. No um, matter where you go. Let, no. There's nowhere, there's no safe space. There isn't. At least we as like gay men, restrict that to gay men, we do yes. have certain safe spaces. Yes. Such I'd as say. like um, LGBT clubs, because LGBT clubs are very catered towards gay men rather than, you know, lesbian women or yeah. trans people. They're very catered towards gay men, in my opinion. There were actually so many times as well people would design looks and I would do it. Yeah. I would sit in my room and I would, you know, give myself an hour and a half and I would do the full makeup look and I would look at myself and I go, I can't do this. I actually, I'd have. 15 minutes where I had to get to work and I go, oh, I actually can't. So take I would grab a makeup wipe and just rub my face as quickly as I could, take it off and then just dash it to work because I couldn't bring myself to walk out the front door. Because I'm, you know, I'm six foot four, I'm a tall guy. Yeah. And I'm not, well, you know, I'm you no... Anyway. <laughs> six foot four gay man and Superstar I'm no... Superstar strutting down the street, people will Exactly. Regardless. I've got legs for days. Absolutely. No one can challenge Fashion that. Fashion sense for the gods. Exactly. <laughs> And you know, there's no, there's no hiding it. I am a gay man. I'm really. You're coming out to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. There's nothing about me that screams, you know, heterosexuality. Yes. So I feel like I bring enough attention to myself as it is, regardless. Yeah. Because especially, you know, tall man, quite feminine, and then I also dress sometimes in bright colours, and I love to, like, I love my fashions and that kind yeah. of stuff. That sometimes I bring enough attention to myself anyway that I was like, I don't need. The extra. I don't need it. It's almost um, as if you're like giving it to yourself, like you're asking yeah. for more trouble. And it's that trips me out because I'm not. No. You're I'm just, just expressing myself. <laughs> I'm having fun. Yeah. I'm being artistic. But then the other part of me is like, Sam, just take it off. You're mm. you you sure you look sickening, hunty. The best you've ever looked. Slay me boots. House but down, God. The house down. <laughs> but also I was like, I can't I can't. Like I don't have I don't have the energy for people to stare at me. I don't have the energy for people's remarks or for people to point at me. I don't have the, the strength for it. Because even if like nothing happened and no one pointed, it takes so much strength to just do the journey with the thing inside your head mm. of like something could happen at any minute. Just like it's that whole eyes to the floor, no eye contact with anybody. Oh, fully. Like, it's exhausting. Any, any single time I actually did wear makeup to work and I braved it, I went out there and I did it, my face was on that on the floor, on, that floor, on my feet watching how I walked and just dead on my feet because I was terrified to look up and be proud yes. of me being a queer man in makeup. And that, it breaks my heart because I know that there is, I want to be a role model to young queer kids who uh -huh. are looking at, who might come across my page and look yeah. at me and go, oh my God, that's a boy who's wearing makeup and I could do that one day. Especially because I have a little brother and I want him to look at me yeah, and go, definitely. you know, as he grows up, if he is so inclined to do this kind of stuff, uh -huh. go for it, be empowered to do it. But then the other bit of me was like, I am terrified of what people will say to me. And I have, you know, I do have track history of people making remarks at me and getting physical with me. And I do have people pointing at me and I, I've experienced it all, but I just... I just don't think that that equates to you being a bad role model. If anything, it probably makes you an even better one because at the end of the day, these queer kids that have so much potential of going through the same things as you, mm. they can look to you as a person who has gone through all this horrible shit and there's potential that it could happen at any point, but they can look at you and say, 
a while because you're still a very strong, very confident mm. individual. And I, not that any of this ever should have happened or anything, but I feel like each time you have something like this happen to you, I feel like you just grow stronger. Mm. Like, I know it's still terrifying and it always will be, but for any woman, queer person, like, there's so many terrifying experiences that aren't going to go away anytime soon but it's no. about how you deal with it i suppose because at the end of the day that's not going to change so it's about how we take on not yeah. letting it ruin us i suppose which um, is the sad part of it all mm-hmm. but and i do definitely feel like there were some times that i just i buckled under it yeah. and i was like i can't like i just and i i, I don't know because it's like this oh it's like this two minds where it's like it's Sometimes it's okay. I'm looking after myself. I know I don't want to deal with yeah. the attention. I don't want to deal with the looks. And that's okay. And I'm just going to do that. And then part of me is like, no, do it. Like, it's, this, it's a constant like battle of, no, you should be proud of who you are. You should go out there. You've created this uh-huh. eyeshadow look, this whatever you've done. And just go out there and be proud and live your truth. But then it's like, but I don't think, I, I don't think I'm strong enough on this particular day to kind of deal with the rest of what comes with that and it's yeah I, but I think there's a difference between like being proud and then like point blank keeping yourself safe mm. like at the end of the day it's not you taking off because you're not yeah. proud of it it's just you looking after yourself because around any corner there is potential danger mm. and you taking the makeup off unfortunately is the way to lessen the chance of being having something shouted at you or any mm. physical abuse so I don't think it's not being proud because, I mean, you have this Instagram account for your makeup and you post, you know, you post something every day, which I is do. great. And you have all these great followers and like everyone, we all know how talented you are, like everyone's obsessed with it, but then you still, even on there, you get your hate comments and you get your people that aren't supportive of it or people that say things that you don't necessarily want to hear. But I just think you have learned as well, like over the past however many years that you just you use it to build on yourself now, I mm. think, rather than like... So I feel like even if you have that day where you don't want to go out wearing makeup or you rub it off before work, I feel like any step is fine. But it doesn't make you less of a proud queer individual mm. because you take it off. It's just keeping yourself safe. And also I do, like, sometimes, especially the makeup I do, it's very full coverage. Big, big lashes, it's a lot of the makeup I do. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just so uncomfortable You pile it on your face. I, <laughs> I really do. I often sit on your bed while you're doing it and watch you like... No, that couldn't be me. It's, no, I do a my, lot. My skin too sensitive for that now. Mm. Sorry. I do the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I I am very confident in myself now without makeup. So I could like I'm more confident out of makeup than I am in makeup. So yes. I to me yeah I agree with that actually. To me, like denying myself going out in makeup isn't denying any form. The it's not like it breaks my heart that I can't go out in makeup because I don't I don't necessarily have a massive urge to. I just wish maybe it's something that I also need to get over in my own head, but. I wish every so often just do it. Yeah, and not have to second guess it. And yeah. Think. What compounded it more, my fear of it, was when we moved to London and yes. I, then I got the job at Selfridges. Uh-huh. Was when I did my interview for Selfridges, I wore makeup because I was like, no, I'm going for a job interview at Mac. A makeup brand. Yeah. yeah. And even though I already work here and I'm just hopefully transferring my job role over, yeah. I still need to, you know, present a good image of yeah, myself and make definitely. myself look good, especially for Mac in Selfridges that has such a. Fucking on Oxford Street. Exactly. Yeah. So I did wear makeup for that one and I got on the tube and I was terrified mm, and there were people it. staring at me and I was so scared and then my brain just went stone one to like stone 20 I was yeah. like jumping and I was like someone's gonna push me in front of this train uh-huh. someone is going to take offense to how I look and is gonna try and hurt me yeah of people getting murdered and getting yeah. you know like physically attacked. attacked just purely for the act of being feminine wearing mm. makeup or holding hands doing anything these just being themselves like most reasons I think you hear for people getting you know, attacked in the street or like, you know, shouted at, murdered, abused, um, 
in like the general public these days is always boils down to something to do with self-expression mm. or you know something that they can't control about themselves or it's just I, d- I, don't, I don't get it I don't get no. it that like you off you rarely hear of someone getting you know like into a fight in the street because they're a bad person or they've done something wrong mm. it usually spurs from people being so hateful for no reason yeah. for no reason and it, it genuinely like terrifies me mm-hmm. that especially with so I wore makeup more in Bristol to work than I did in Selfridges and I didn't even wear makeup in Bristol that much which is mad because like it's central London, so you'd expect mm. things to be better, but I completely no. agree. I've had time, even just like wearing, like, I don't know, a more bright shirt than usual mm. or something like that. I have times where I feel everybody's looking at me, mm. which is so strange because you just assume that, you know, the capital city of the country, you'd expect it to be accepting and like, and it is in certain spaces. Like, I think the London queer spaces and, you know, certain areas are so accepting and it's great, but then it's so much of the city is terrifying no, if you're it, any form of minority, I think. No, it genuinely terrified me. And when I worked at Selfridges, that was the most amount of gay men I'd ever worked with in my life because I was working, well, when I was in so I was the only um, man on my counter. Yeah. But then in Selfridges, I was one of seven or eight boys. Which is and a I big was, jump. Mm, and fair. some of them identified as non-binary. And like, I was really exposed. And I was like, and they, all of them wore makeup except me. And I was like, wow. Yeah. You guys not only look beautiful, like you are stunning. You are, the makeup you have created is insane. But also, my God, I'm taking my hat off to you for braving. Being so brave. For, yeah. you know, it's London. And w- w- when you live in London, you could work in X, but live in B. It takes you a fucking hour yeah. to get from A to B. Yeah. People so, commute in yeah, London. Definitely. And you and have like to, you, it's just part of Yeah, that's part London. of London life. Yeah. Get in the tube and get in the bus and then get in the overground. Blah, blah, blah. It's just like a constant <laughs> stream so of transport. So I was, I would look at these boys that I worked with and I'd go, bloody hell, like you, fair play. You have done, you have commuted an hour to get here. You've got a bus, a tube, or whatever, and in this insane makeup. And especially at Selfridges uh, in Mac, you were encouraged to wear more experimental makeup. Yeah. So they were wearing kooky stuff and yeah, like, I feel like fun I met, liners. Met some of them and mm. seen them, and I myself would agree. But I was like, I am so proud of you, but also a bit envious that you guys mm-hmm. have that confidence to say f you to everyone else. Yeah. And I remember there was. I think I wore makeup to Selfridges maybe three times, maybe four, I can't really remember. Definitely less than like 10. Every time I did it, I would walk down Oxford Street and the amount of people that would stare at me and the amount of people that yeah. would point at me. And then people would come up and be like, oh my God, can I take a picture with you? And it's like, I'm not I'm not an animal. I'm not <laughs> a fucking fairground attraction. Exactly. Like, and you I'm, like, I'm put just- a pound coin at me and take a picture. Like yeah. it doesn't work like that. And it's, it made me feel like I was in a zoo to the point where I was like, I don't want to deal with this. It makes the thing you find so enjoyable as well. It makes it not. Mm. that's where you need to stand back and think, why? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know though, because like, I guess think London, people are more accepting, but also there's so many people here that you just kind of double, if not triple your chances of those people that are mm. going to like stop you or stare at you because there's just people fucking everywhere. Yeah. So like it's bound to happen more just because of how, you know, overly populated the city is. But like, it's just, it's mad to me that like people, including yourself, can't go out and just be fully themselves. When you've had lived experiences of being harassed and being attacked, it really changes the way that you go out. Like you have experienced people being homophobic towards you in clubs Lots and stuff. Times, and it really, yeah. it just shifts your perspective and it really shifts how you go out into the world and how you present yourself. You don't want to deal with that again. And that's the thing. And I feel like what we're both, 22, 23 now, I feel like we've come so far in terms of being able to express ourselves and our confidence and stuff like that. But like, there is still moments where you go out and your brain takes you back to that time where someone said, even like, there's like lightest of like term, 
Like it's never like, it takes you back to this place of someone being like, oh, gay. Like mm. it's not it's not even that like hard hittingly offensive. But like you're in a club with like say like a straight club or like a bar and you immediately become scared. And like oh, the 100%. thing is, I'm confident enough now to carry myself in a way where I kind of just am like, whatever, I don't care. But just you spend your whole evening being like, oh my god, there's a chance that what mm. happened back then is gonna happen again. Especially like, when I go into the toilet, for some reason, when I go into the, the toilets to- of like a bar or I a pub, I agree. I agree. Like, I'm immediately very aware of my surroundings, and yeah. I don't want to. Oh my god, I just become so conscious mm-hmm. of what I'm doing and how I'm presenting myself and how I'm acting. That. <sighs> and I think it's for tiring. me and you, though, I think the thing we have in common, and we both, I mean, we share a lot of the same friends, but I think. Anytime we're in a space that isn't, you know, specifically a queer safe space, if mm. we go to like a straight bar or like a festival or a, a pub or a club, we have got such supportive friends that if anyone even attempts, mm. they will be on their neck like, like yeah. that straight away. Like, so I always feel safe, but I don't want to be in a position where I need to rely on my friends to sort of come to my defense. Mm. I just I want to be able to go out and enjoy a night, wear what I want, do what I want, dance how I like. But that's part of the issue with like the toilets as well, because you don't have, most of our friends are women. I don't go to the toilet on a night out. I will just not go for a wee because I won't do the whole, as you say, most of our friends are women. They're all doing their thing, having a great time in the toilet. They're all singing, they're all dancing. We are in the queue with all these men that are looking at us like, "Mm." Mm. I have a weird thing anyway. And like, I feel like anyone that knows me, I can't go to the toilet in a public bathroom if it's not in a cubicle that's mm. locked. Oh no, I And won't. it's like, I don't know where it comes from. Like, I don't know what the reason is, but if it's not a locked, safe cubicle, I won't do it. And like, nightclub toilets, they're not very nice oh, anyway, no. but like, with the potential surrounding. Of like, drunk straight men. Yeah, it's just, it's a no-go for me. So I'd mm. rather just not go to the toilet than have to put myself through it. Mm. Whereas, in a gay club, toilets are the party. Like, you're yeah. like, in the queue, like, oh, woo! you're having a great time and it's like and in a gay club you have the uh, like gender neutral loose and yeah. then you're going to the toilet with your friends yeah and it's you like can all go into the same cubicle and like big bouncers are like you're all doing drugs it's like no we literally nope. just go for weeds together and take it in turns and it's just so like mad to me that women queer men like have to be scared of going to the toilet mm. it's literally a human right like it's a basic necessity and i am willing to hold in my wee five six seven hour long night out just because i don't want to go into the toilet it's horrible. Yeah. And the feeling of going to the toilet in a straight club as a queer man is probably the same feeling that you get walking down the street wearing makeup. It's just yeah. the potential that anything could happen at any point. And People are just least... mean-spirited for no reason. I will, uh, I'll always remember I was walking out of M&S in Bristol. <laughs> okay. My full beat and I was in, I was wearing bright blue eyeshadow and a bright orange lipstick. Mm-hmm. I was in Love. primary colours. It was a look that I'd created as well. So I was like, okay, I've created it for everyone to wear, therefore I have Got to a wear it. Yeah, I have to do it. And I walked out of M&S and the first thing I hear is someone scream the F word at that I was like, oh my God, I'm like M&S. Yeah. <laughs> Marks and Sparks. Marks and the Sparks. The last place I thought I'd have someone scream the F word at me. That's the thing. I just think there is no there is no last expected space anymore. It can happen mm. anywhere. Like, I feel equally as safe in Tesco as I do, like, on the tube. Like, you just don't know anymore. No. So I'm, I feel like you are on edge the whole time that you're out just with the potential. And it's always the potential. Like, nine times out of ten, nothing happens but it's that one time out of ten you don't forget it's just not right (laughs) no it's horrible it's really really not right so always feel kind of on edge on the defense or just you you're always ready for someone to make a remark it's not a way to live it's just exhausting like it's exhausting you have to constantly think and like no one wants that on like a day out no of course you don't but this actually leads me like nicely onto what i want to ask you next so We've just spoken a lot about negativity from like the outside world, looking at you in a, as a man in makeup. 
Have you ever experienced sort of any negativity coming from within the beauty industry? I've definitely experienced people questioning my actual gender. I feel like people are still trying to get their mind around the idea that men can identify as men and just wear, and makeup. wear makeup because nothing, nothing more. It's makeup. It's not that deep. No, it's not. I think other than that, I haven't really experienced anything like that because I feel like everyone my spaces that I've worked in at Mac and stuff have always been very supportive. Yeah. And a lot. I mean, apart from the odd customer that just won't have me because I'm a boy or because I'm gay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'd have a lot of customers who I'd go up to and they'd be like, oh, can I have a woman? Can I have someone else? Or they'd be like, Sam over there, he's just busy, but then he'll be with you in a second because there's yeah. a bit of a queue. And then they're like, yeah. no. So you would deal with that. But then from the actual beauty community itself, I feel like in the beauty community, they're surrounded by all these people who have the same interests. And I feel like if you're in the beauty community, you know that men are involved. Yeah. I mean, yeah. most of the most famous makeup artists are male. Yeah. Most of the people that own the big makeup brands are male. But yeah, the ones dominating like the media like, are male. Everywhere you see, like mm. the James Charles's of the world yeah exactly like, like patrick star jeffree star grim but you gross, know gross gross <laughs> really two reactions it's either no or oh my god a gay man yes queen star. i have yeah. i'm in mac i have a gay man doing my makeup i have a gay mac man <laughs> gay mac a mac man that has a limp wrist is doing my <laughs> the makeup limp wrist. i'm gonna tell everyone that my makeup has been done by one of the gays They're gay and they love it and they will they when i'm with them they will get this as a makeup artist or as a hairdresser or anyone yeah when, when you're doing that kind of job when you're with someone for that extended period of time people kind of open up to you but people would open up about the most the weirdest and the most sexual of things so strange i just stood there and i'm like babe i'm just here to do your foundation yeah. i don't need to know i, I had a woman tell me all about her kink she was dating someone that had like a dungeon and i was like i was like props to you i'm <laughs> Happy yeah, for you that you have it. this. Why are you telling Why me? me? <laughs> Why me? And she was like, oh my God, Sam, darling, you have made me nah. so comfortable, babe. Honestly, uh. I love you, babe. And I was like, okay. okay. And I'm it's just, like, I'm just here to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, would you, I, it makes me question, would you have been like that with one of the other girls yeah. I work with? Or because you're with a gay man, you feel like you can There's an evil, push like, more boundaries. Yeah, the like, theatrical, it's definitely the theatrical. It's always a theatrical experience when it's like, to say it's just women, it's just anyone interacting with, as you said, the, the token gay. Yeah. Like it's very much, it's just like, they want to make a big thing of it. And we're just mm. like, honey, I'm just like, here to do my job. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. It's so theatrical. And I remember when I was in Selfridges and I had this girl and oh my god, she was doing the absolute I think most. I remember the story, but uh, please tell. She was, <laughs> it was the weirdest fucking experience. I remember walking away from it and being like, I think I've just taken drugs. Like, I yeah. do not understand what she's doing. Not happened. okay, I'm not stable. So she's there with this girl and she was like, kind of just like looking for a foundation. I was like, yeah, that's fine, grab a seat. And this was so in Selfridges, our working hours from 8 a.m. until 10 p.m. Yeah. So that's when the store was open. So then you Grim, did. a makeup store opens at fucking 8 a.m. Disgusting. <laughs> So you would either do the early, the mid, or the late shift. Yes. And for some godly and unreason, I was always on the bloody late shift. I hate it. You were. You started at 2 p.m., finished at 10, and it was like, you just didn't get to enjoy your day. Anyway, I was on the late shift this day, and it was, I'm going to say, so we closed at half 10. It must have been half nine, because we were very close here, and we were all kind of cleaning and all that stuff. And this girl came up and was like, oh, I'm looking for a foundation. I was like, yep, grab a seat. She's this other girl. Grab a seat. And I talked through her, like the different foundations we have and maybe what she was looking for. Yeah. And then I grabbed this foundation. I put it on her and she was like, oh my God, she's living. She loves it. She's stunning. And I was like, okay. I was, like, I was so tired as well. I was like, okay. okay. Uh, Mac, you're encouraged to kind of just finish the person's makeup off. Like you don't just put foundation on. You kind of, you do it. Yeah. You do their makeup because you don't want someone to walk out with just foundation. Yeah, you want to, yeah, yeah. you know, it's part of the selling object is to try and push more products. But yeah. also as a makeup artist, you don't want someone to just walk out with a half beaten face. Yeah, yeah. No. no. You don't want that. So I was like, can I just finish your face? we've got time can I just do that she's like yes of course so I put a bit of concealer on her like the tiniest drop of concealer she's like oh my god I'm doing drag I'm the Vivian I'm a queen yes you better slay me 
and I was literally stood there. No one I was working with on this shift was paying any attention. Any attention. You're just like, They were all me. just carrying on with their bloody like cleaning of the eyeshadows. And I was like, nope, someone. Hi. Someone just realized what I'm having to like <laughs> deal with. This like, this girl looking at me and I presume she was straight. Mm. And she was going like, oh my God, I am the Vivian. I'm a <laughs> slay. I'm doing drag with this concealer. Concealer. And I was like, this lip balm. Yeah. And I was like, um, okay. okay. And then I was like, right, so I've done your whole face. And she's like, oh my God, I'm living. You better. And then, oh my God, no. And then, <laughs> and then she was like, oh, I just like hate boys. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go along with this. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, lol, me too. Me too. Hate men, am I right? And she was like, oh my God, are you a bottom? <laughs> and I was like, excuse me. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. No. And she was like, oh my god, no, I can't ask that, can I? And I was like, You just no. did. <laughs> you just did. You you did. It's out and there. I'm not going to tell you. No, it's and it's like this weird like pending. boundary where they're like, you're a gay man, so I can ask you anything. I'm gonna ask you about your there sex is, life. I'm gonna ask it you. Is. I, I'm gonna ask you what you're interested in and what you top, bottom, this, that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know yeah. you. You're a complete stranger. Yeah. If one of my friends looked at me and was like, Top or bottom? I'd go, mm. like it's so my broken. job to tell you yeah. if I feel like I'm comfortable enough for you to know, but. But for a complete stranger to go, oh my god, are you a bottom? <laughs> and then it's like, I really want to school this girl on what you kind of can't say to people, but then I was but like, also, we close I'm, in five I'm minutes, in I'm gonna go home. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, in work. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not gonna, no, I won't tell you that. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I do in the bedroom, oddly enough. And then I was like, oh, let me put some lipstick on you. So I finished off with some lipstick and I was like, how does it look? And she's like, I love it. Oh my God, this is sickening. And I was like, all right. And then she ended up buying everything. And I was like, fair play. Good for her. Yeah, and you that did was, the job. Yeah, that was a 200 quid sale. I was like, Brill, off you pop. No, I am the Vivian. It was, and I was just like, that was so it was so over the top, so performative, mm-hmm. and so like, I'm with a gay man and I'm gonna do the absolute most. I'm gonna talk about drag, I'm gonna talk about drag race, I'm gonna and ask them what sexual position they are. I was like, yeah. leave me alone. I it, don't wanna to talk to you about what I do in the bedroom. Completely, and like, it is that, but like, kind of almost think of it like, are they trying to, is that them going the extra mile to try and just like have a nice conversation with us and like make us feel like included? <gasps> no. I spilt your wine all over the floor. <laughs> So yeah, as I was saying, I feel like sometimes in situations like that, they are doing the most and to us it's really off-putting, but it is potentially just them trying to mm. have a good good bit of banter, a good bit of chat. And I feel like straight people that use the gay terminology and like the, oh yes, slay, hunty mama thing, I think it's just them getting a bit too excited. I don't think they mean anything from it, but it's just really it's, off-putting. Yeah, it's, it's innocent, but it's uneducated. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's very, yeah. it's very Katie Perry going, Wig? Wig? <laughs> I felt that. Did you just say wig? It just doesn't feel like you've exposed yourself to a lot of LGBT people or just... It's almost like what they're getting from baseline media is what they know. Exactly. Like, oh yes, RuPaul's like Hunty Mama, but mm. never anything where all that terminology sort of like comes from. Mm. But then history. it also just her asking me what my sexual position was. That happens so much as it's gay men for people to they don't Always. they don't see like this boundary where it's like oh no that's a person who has their own sex life and that's got nothing to do with me yeah people will fully just go what position are you do you which is you, do you receive or do you give and it's like uh, no but it seems to be like the talking point like if you yeah, meet say you go to like not even a, who cares straight club gay club like you meet a group of girlies mm. and you're having a kiki you're all drinking you're in the smoking area or whatever the conversation always turns to your sex life it's mm. always like so do you for a bottle oh, mm. oh, like what you're what you're into I'm like if i turn around and ask you what's your favorite position mm. show me how you reverse cowgirl yeah if your true intention is to get educated then you're allowed to say stuff wrong mm. as long as you're willing to be told that that is wrong and yeah. this is what you should be doing instead and i think everyone's got room to grow 
every single person every single person in the world has room to grow so we obviously joke a lot because we use the term pig in makeup love that we do we love it because mm-hmm. pig in makeup man in makeup you saw it on like a documentary or something didn't you pig in makeup that was you no you saw it not me you saw it no you saw it no because it was someone that i see it every day i live with one. Oh my god <laughs> Yes, no, okay, sorry. So the story is I did media production at uni and there was many times that we'd have to watch like work from like past students. Someone did a documentary on men wearing makeup and titled it <laughs> Pigs in Makeup. And that day I texted Sam and I was like, oh, you're such a pig in makeup. <laughs> Oink oink, absolutely. But he was like, huh? Huh? And I was like, you're a pig in makeup. And he was like, no, I know, but why? (laughs) Where's this coming from? So just watch this documentary about being a pig in makeup. It's a joke that we have, but like, obviously that pig in makeup means man in makeup. But do you feel like since starting and where you are now, do you feel like you felt enough progression in terms of like, people coming to terms with men in makeup and like it becoming more normal than accepted or do you feel like there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of like you being able to just be a man in makeup without any question we've definitely progressed in like the four years that i've been involved in makeup and uh-huh. involved in the community and the industry and whatever because you know especially when i was in mac and selfridges obviously it's selfridges so people expect a certain thing from selfridges and yeah. mac and selfridges that they would come and i would do their makeup and i think most people I served were completely fine with me serving them and enjoyed it and they were open to it and all that stuff but there's still a long way to go and it's still we're still seen as like the token or like the one gay man that they'll throw into the ad campaign yeah but as I said earlier is wearing the lip balm is wearing like the most natural (laughs) natural coverage dewy foundation and it's like like a a shimmer spray or something yeah they're advertising like the aftershave that they do. And it's, like, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, this is boring. I'm bored, sorry. And it's, there's still, there's still a lot of room to go. And I think I was very much in my Mac bubble. Yeah. Mac being, you know, what I've said, all about diversity, all about inclusion, all about involving everyone. But then there is still so many other brands that don't let the, the men that work for them express how they want to express yeah, themselves definitely. or wear the makeup that they want to wear because that doesn't fit their brand. View. Yeah. yeah, doesn't fit their brand, doesn't fit their view. And there's still a long way to go. And when you hear stories like that, it's, but it's those brands that do have the men in their campaigns and you go, you're doing that because you know that it's like the trend yeah. or because you know that's where society's going. So you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. You're not doing it because you believe it. Yeah. You're just doing it because that's what we're saying. I think as well, because obviously we're both fans of the show. Over the past three, four years, Drag Race so, you know, universally, like it's a phenomenon now. Like people love yeah. it. Like people of all genders, people of all sexualities love it. Do you think that has helped you men in makeup in a more positive light? Or do you think it's actually more of a hindrance because it's like, you have to be like a performing slay queen, drag queen mm. to be a successful man in makeup, if that makes sense. I think people, I think drag race has really helped in the sense that it's for a lot of people who don't necessarily have gay people in their lives, mm-hmm. it's exposed them to experiences and stories that they would never have heard yeah. of. Yeah, importantly. And you know, the occasional queen that will come out as like HIV positive and the education that then yeah, they do. Definitely. And I do think drag race has those occasional episodes where they actually 
talk about history. Yeah. But yeah. then it has also then created the question where it's like, oh, so you're a boy makeup. Do you do drag? Will you do drag? Are you going to go on drag race? And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you literally just put like a lash on. It's not yeah. that deep. <laughs> literally put a bit of Vaseline on. Yeah. Like, what's, what's happening here? You don't need to be questioning me. Like this, <laughs> what's your drag name? Yeah. It's like, um... You say this, but you have a drag name planned. I do. <laughs> I do. Billy Allen. Billy Allen, absolutely. Darth Hunter, you better slay me. Mm-hmm. You better see you NT. You better. Mm-hmm. Especially since they brought it to this country as well. Like, we have a UK version of it now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Oh my god, you must be so excited that like UK Drag Race is here. I mean, you can get on it. And yeah. You're like I don't own a bra. No. Like, what do you expect from me? I go home first. You <laughs> I'm out. I'll see ya. No, I know what you mean. Though it's like half and half because obviously, in terms of like queer representation in general, the show does so many great things. But mm. also, I feel like it's becoming so overly saturated. I do also think with Drag Race as well, there are so many seasons, so many spin-offs, so many this and that, and up and down and left and right. But you know, apart from the occasional contestant who is a trans female, obviously, you know, we've got got Mick who's a trans male. Uh huh. It really is just exposing people to gay men. Now my last question for you is just a bit of a fun one to throw mm-hmm. into the mix. So anybody in the world, they're dead, they're mm-hmm. alive, anybody you want, you get to beat their face, mm-hmm. you get to choose the occasion, mm-hmm. and you get to choose the look that you're doing on their face. Lovely. Who is it, where are they going, and what do they look like after they've done a Sam MUA, Sam Winter MUA experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love to do... I'm. I would love to do Dominique Jackson. The face. I the I mean, face. Not only is that face sculpted, it's perfect. Like God, about, about that lady's face is just unreal. But like something about her just tells me that she would be she'd be willing to wear makeup. Oh yeah. Just uh, she'd do the damn thing yeah. for you. She 100%. would she she would sit there and she would just let me do what I wanted to do. Yeah. And just kind of play with it, play with shapes, play with colour, play with dimensions. And she would, I feel, I get that vibe from her. We're good friends. Yeah, yeah, you text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We text, we we DM. I better don't. Pose is getting cancelled though. Hey, why? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm cancel. No, I cancel culture cancel. <laughs> I thought you meant it was getting like cancelled. Like, no, yes. they, got oh, to okay. season, they got to season three and they're not carrying on. Which yes, is I did see that. Very carry sad. on casting trans actresses even when the trans related programs are over as well. So. Don't worry. If you can't find a trans actor, Scarlett Johansson will take the role. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, she will. <laughs> she will. She will go. That's for me. She'll embody the. This role is for thing. a black woman. Don't you worry. That's for me. Don't you worry. It's okay. it. This role is for like, pose. It's is important. So important. Like I will know me by now. I've stuck through. Stuck with. Sorry, Ryan Murphy through and through. Yes, I am you have, Glee. <laughs> I am Glee's only fan and will be until the day that I die. But it wasn't until he made pose. And I was like, okay, thank you. Okay, you're using... Because to be fair, Ryan Murphy is... He's great. Like, his vision is great. The the way he makes his TV shows look and the way the budget that he puts behind them. And obviously, American Horror Story is great. It's scary. Mm. It's boo. Ah. Ah, scary. Ah, boo, 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 boo. And Glee is the best show ever. No. But (laughs) (laughs) when he made Pose, it really was so very special and important. And, like, there's so many stories within that show that needs to be told. And it was just done so well and respectfully. And I just can't believe that after three seasons, they're saying no. (sighs) Six seasons of Glee. Six. And that's Six. problematic. Yeah, absolutely. I, did, I, I, I sent you that interview with um, the girl that plays Tina. And she was like, yeah, I was made to do Gangnam Style. Yeah, always lastly. And I'm sure the listeners are now getting to know that this is how we round out an episode. Mm-hmm. Gossip. Gossip. That's where we are. That's gossip. It's, it's what that, we are. It's where we are. That is gossip. That is gossip. This is gossip. This is gossip. This is gossip. Oh my God. So, the burning question that I have on my lips mm. for every guest, mm. every single guest, is mm. tell me the most outrageous, the mm-hmm. most unbelievable mm-hmm. piece of gossip that you've ever heard about yourself that was or wasn't 
True. True. Tell me. So I would say the one. So I've got two. One there was a gossip about me, and one that I spread. I spread gossip about someone else. Oh, is it me? Maybe. Ah! Okay. Here we go. The gossip about me was that I'm gay. Oh my god. That is fake news. Which is wrong. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I'm I'm embarrassed for whoever spread that. Yeah, no, I'm really sorry. No, but also dangerous. Dangerous. The danger involved in it. Because the gossip, if you don't know me, I used to live in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And Mm. said gossip Mm. was spread about me. Yep. Whilst I was actually in Dubai. Not naming names, but if I could name her name, I would. <laughs> she did spread that about me in a country where it was illegal. And she was actually the first person I came out to. And for her then to... Nice to know, you. It's nice to know you fucking prefer her to me. Yeah, like, well, I, I did at the time, apparently. Apparently so. Where did this come from? She came out to her before you and she... Bitch. Yeah, she spread that like fucking wildfire. And then the gossip that I spread about you... And <laughs> not even um, about someone. So, okay. Was that... You're straight. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> tell me more. So obviously we ha- we me and Joe have a group chat with this girl called Lillian Smythe. And <laughs> Lily Shout out Lily. You've been wanting a shout out on the podcast for a few weeks, so shout out Lily. Shout out Lily. And she her and I so Lily and I met in Dubai and we were chatting, I think when I first started uni. No. When was it? Was it in uni? Oh I can't remember. I but anyway, know. we were messaging and I was like, Oh yeah, there are a few Oh, Luke had come out to me. I was already out. And I was like, oh yeah, Luke's gay. I'm gay, but Joe isn't gay. Because at this point, Joe hadn't come out to me. And even though I know Joe, I've known Joe since we were five or six. Very young. Very, very teeny tiny. Very young, very young and impressionable. I I have known Joe for far too long. Right. Right. (laughs) Maybe I had some inclination, but it had... Fuck off. You didn't know, because when I first told you, you were at the fucking shocked fall. You were like, what? Yeah. Because you didn't know. Because you didn't know. I'm not. I'm not. I mask. If you no, if no, <laughs> I'm not. Because basically, I'm straight boy chic. I don't know what. You're no, you about. are. You are. And oh. because not only did you have a lot of girlfriends in primary school, I did. Shout out to all of you. You know who you are. The most amount of girlfriends. But also, you hadn't told me, so I wasn't going to go. He's gay, but he's not told me. No, you're not. You hadn't of, yeah. told me. You hadn't said anything to me about. It's like when you told me you gay. were bi, and I was like, "No, you're gay," but I didn't say it. No. no. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. I feel like a lo- like I definitely came out as bi before I came it's out as gay. It's just a gay way, isn't it? But that's what you do. Mm. Joe hadn't come out to me, so you know I may have had my suspicion. I, I may know. have suspected, Maybe. but Joe hadn't come out to me, so that wasn't my that wasn't my business to go around being like, he's not come out to me, but he's gay. gay. Yeah. So I told Lily that Joe was straight, and Lily took that as Bible. Joe was straight, <gasps> and then there was one fateful day in first year of university when Joe was absolutely <gasps> drunk. <laughs> and I was in I was staying in a hotel in London at the time. Oh. And Joe, when Joe was in first year, he used to get really, really absolutely hammered boots. There's no use to be about that sentence. I'm a little bit tipsy right now, but... <laughs> when Joe was in first year, he would always call me. For some godly unknown yeah, reason, he would, would always call me when he was absolutely hammered. If you're like, Bearing Sam. in mind, Sam lived in Bristol. I lived in Liverpool. There was nothing this boy could have done to help me. Oh, nothing. In and situations. he'd be like, Sam, I'm on this street. How do I get home? And I was like, well, I don't fucking know, do I? Yeah, to be like, honest. I don't know where you live. <laughs> and... He'd be, and then there was this one call, he was absolutely drunk. He was like, Sam, I'm gay. And I was like, in my head, I was like, well, no, I said to him, I was like, okay, well, we'll talk about this in the morning. He's not gay because he's drunk. And he's just saying that for the shit. Drunk people can't be gay. No, <laughs> he's just saying that he's drunk. I'll talk about it when he's sober. Look, just get yourself home. 
whatever. And I then, then Annie McDonald's in the middle of Crow. I will never forget it. Really? Yeah, because I went on my work night out with all these... Like, oh, so you weren't even Liverpool? No, I went on my work night out with people from the Glass House, would you believe? It was that far Lovely back. place. Any Glass House listeners listening? Mm. Shout out to you. Amazing place. Absolutely. Banana cookie dough through and through. Oh, yeah. Sure. Shout out to you, Dad. Shout out to you. We love you. Anyway... Um, I was on the way back from a staff night out, got Annie, my best friend, lives in Australia now, miss her dearly, once again, shout out. Annie picked me up, and she was like, drunk? I was like, I'm really drunk, I was like, I'm really hungry, and she took me to McDonald's, we sat there, and I ignored the fucking bitch the whole time, I was just mm-hmm. like, sat there on my phone, like, and I was like, Sam, Sam, I'm gay, and I don't know where it came from, because nothing happened that night to spark the gay in me, mm-hmm. I was on a night out with females that were like, between the ages of like, 30 and 45, so there was no like, ooh, I'm gay after tonight, I was just like, Sam, you need to know, and then... You carry on the story. I and told I got you. It. I got the information. I was like, right, well, we'll talk about this in the morning. And we did. And he was like, no, yes. No, I, I actually am. <laughs> and I remember being there, like, just texting him. And I was like, Joe, I've already come out to you. Like, what was it that made you feel like, you know, that you, this was staggered, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'd already been out to Joe for a year at this point. Probably. Yeah, I remember it. Came to visit me in England. And <laughs> you told me. Yeah. I remember I told you and Luke. Yeah, you were like, I'm bi, I've got a girlfriend. <laughs> I'm a raging bisexual. Raging bi. Raging bi, bisexual. Bi but that is also false. Yeah, it's also false. We're both hate now, loud and proud. Gay, but that's okay. Gay man. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I was like, what? Well, I don't understand what it was. You know, I'm, I'm gay. Like, of course, you could have told me if like, yeah. you've obviously been feeling this for a while. Like, why couldn't you tell me? And I remember you said that it was the people who are closest to you that were the hardest people oh, to completely. tell. And it's like, for me, when I came out to my mum, my mum, Alison, Alison Jane Winter, the most special human being on this planet. Yes, completely agree. The best person to ever walk this planet Earth. And I knew, I knew that she would be completely accepting of me. It was going to be fine. Yeah. But coming out to someone who was so important to me, I was like, they're not going to accept it. Well, that's how I felt about you. I had the hardest time with you, my mum, my sister and my dad. As you go down the line, I when I first came out to anybody ever, it was a house party in high school and I just bought close friends at the time like I still like I'm friends with these people now mm. I bought them into a room and was like I'm gay and I was like that was hard but it was fairly easy and mm. they came to like okay told them tell my closer high school friend oh I need to tell Sam now oh I need to tell my sister tell my mum tell my dad mm. ah, it gets to that point and you're like when you look back on it it's like I wish I told you all sooner but like you get in your head you're like yeah you do I care the most about keeping these people in my life there's a chance there's always a chance of telling anyone anything that they could take it the wrong way or they could be like no no we have got such similar stories and we have been through such similar things and also there's so many things that have happened to me that maybe i wouldn't have dealt with it as well as i did if it wasn't for having you to talk to as a friend and i feel like we both feel that same way Mm. we've we've been each other's kind of emotional support in a lot of situations forever one because we've gone through the same stuff almost parallel pretty um, much yeah but also because we are best friends and we are both gay that when things have happened to us about you know dating or sleeping with people or it's always like been you yeah we will go to the other a person. whole different story but yeah yeah like i would always go to you and be like hi and you this like, is hi. yeah our grinder and our tinder stories our podcast episode two absolutely we'll be coming in the future sam went to MUA the remix part two <laughs> that's what that will not be not the remix but yeah but absolutely I just, we have been through such similar things that we've kind of done it in tandem with each other. Yeah. And even like little things, like in like family situations, like I feel like your mum's always been there for my mum and my mum's mm. always been for you. Like, no, we exactly. just, our whole entire everything that's ever happened to us is just very much hand in hand. Yeah. Which definitely. is why we now live together in a fucking gorgeous zone in a London apartment. Everyone growing up was like, 
Are you and Sam dating? But to this day, Joe and until, Sam need to date. until you, maybe we do, but maybe until do. you got a boyfriend, shout out Connor, but uh, until you got a boyfriend, every single person I've ever met has been like, oh my God, are you and Sam together? Like when I posted, like we've got this gorgeous, gorgeous bookshelf in our kitchen. And there's a photo of me and Sam on there where we're mm. just like, we're like cheersing, pint glasses. I posted that on my story on Instagram when we first moved in and I got like seven messages being like, oh my God, it's so nice that you finally live together. So, during this podcast episode, me and Sam may have had a little bit of wine, meaning that the last little bit of the recording has now disappeared out of my hands. So, I just want to thank Sam for joining me with this podcast episode. I think it was really quite special, and I really hope you guys enjoy it. So, that's that from me. Make sure you follow Sam on Instagram. It is SamWinterMUA. We are Very That's Gossip Podcast on Instagram, and we are underscore That's Gossip on Twitter. The Bird app, all that jazz. Thank you for joining, and I will see you next time. (laughs) 